If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts. Do you want to t- do you want to learn how to make your own Twitch channel, podcast, and outclass the competition? Well, the skills you learn at a creative degree in games, sound, film, or journalism will put you in a class of your own. Have a look at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to learn more about what they've got on offer. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Welcome to Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games from around Australia and the world. My name is Mitch and joining me tonight is my co-host Sarah. How are you going? Good. How are you going, Mitch? Yeah, I'm back on one of these. I haven't been on one of these like in wow. forever. Yeah. So um, You've been let back in. I know. Yeah. Wow, um, to join us again. Fantastic. Yeah, so um, I'm not just streaming Overwatch now. I'm actually doing one of these shows. <gasps> Anyway, you've had a you've had a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about me and Sarah taking my job tonight. We have Ellie Bolson joining us in the studio to tell us more about her games, uh, Brian Scene, Fin Investigation, Personal Space, and What Lies Beneath. Um, and she'll be taking all of those to XRWA this weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ellie. No worries. Um, so we'll be talking about all those games um, of Ellie's creation later on this evening in the show. But first of all, Sarah, what are we talking about first? So, today we're going to be taking a closer look at G2A, the digital game key reseller service, and how they're in a bit of trouble with indie indie developers at the moment. Great, let's get started. Mitch, what's Discord? Discord is an online chat service that most gamers use. Incidentally, you can also use it to talk to us at pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. Yeah, you can talk about uh, episodes, you can talk about upcoming topics, you can probably even coerce Mitch into playing a game with you online. That's not going to happen. That is going to happen. You're doing it. I'm saying that's happening. Sorry. Yeah, well... Join Discord. You should grow your beard back. pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord. Yeah, only Overwatch or Minecraft. That's... The only game only Overwatch and Minecraft. Yeah. More importantly, though, recently G2A, a service which resells game keys and codes, are in a bit of trouble with indie game developers. So the service has been accused of facilitating the sale of digital game keys that have been obtained through fraudulent ways, which include credit card fraud, influencer copies, and more. So what does this mean for companies that resell codes? And also, what does this mean for indie devs who supply those codes? I think it's a good idea to, first of all, summarize exactly what G2A is for those those of us that might not actually know what it, what it actually does. So uh, G2A is kind of like an eBay for game keys that you don't really want. Um, so you, if you have a copy of a, of a game that you would like to just 
not have sit in your library for a while and you want to give it and you want to sell it to someone, uh, G2A can facilitate that sale of that of that digital code or, or, or digital license for the game. So the problem with this is sometimes those codes are obtained by fraudulent manners. Sometimes they are promotion or or uh, content creator keys that aren't meant to be sold, and uh, some of them are obtained via. Um, credit card fraud, which is they're purchased with a credit card, um, then sold on G2A, and as soon as they're sold, or even before they're sold, the um, the credit card um, holder, the person that used the credit card, issues a chargeback and a, and a refund. So that comes out of the developer's pocket, uh, not G2A's. G2A has already already made their money off the sale. Um, so um, what do you think of this, Ellie? Like, what 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 comes to mind when when this kind of thing comes up? Whereas G2A is always seems to maybe every six months, every someone's annoyed at G2A. <laughs> I think it says a lot when developers say, I'd rather you pirate my game than use this service. <laughs> I think that's pretty bad. <laughs> um, I think it's it's not great that developers don't get to choose whether their game is on this on this website. They should be able to say, I don't want it to be on there. It does seem like there's a like a very <clears throat> big lack of of regulation. Yeah. And um it, it seems like a lot of a lot of developers really hold their I, IP when, but as soon as it's out of their hands, like a like a Steam key, yeah. they have no control over it. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Currently, the um the big discussion is around uh, quite a large, significant petition that's come from uh, indie indie developers. So IGN um, AU posted an article on this, and they said that almost four thousand people have signed a Change.org petition asking uh, G2A to stop selling indie games for its marketplace. The petition comes off the heels of a holiday weekend where G2A published a blog post attempting to defend itself against critics, which turned spurned indie devs to launch a new wave of criticism against the retailer culminating in the online petition. And I believe they said uh, only like 8% of their revenue mm. comes from indie, game, indie yeah, dev games. Right. So everyone was kind of saying, well, if you're not getting that much money off it, surely it's not a big deal if you just don't sell indie game keys on your platform. So naturally that's kind of rolled into a, a very big kind of uh, discussion that a lot of people are having over whether you know each G2A is going to change their policy based on this petition. It it does seem like if they do, I think G2A is not budging because if they if they say okay cool uh, we acknowledge that it's hurting indie devs uh, we won't sell them anymore. It'll, it's just acknowledging that yes there is a problem and then as soon as the, the AAA developers are going to be annoyed as well. I think um, as soon as they admit that there's a problem with their platform and. There quite obviously is one, and um, it, as, as soon as they admit that, then I think I think the 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 whole facade kind of falls apart, doesn't it, Ellie? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um... Like, as a developer, have you heard of people actually like being affected, like being affected by this? Only the ones that are posted on Twitter publicly about it. Um, I think they raised an interesting point. It isn't just about the cashback affecting their money coming in; it's really mainly the time that they have to spend chasing down these. Uh, illegitimate keys um, every time they get an email about it they have to follow up and say oh okay this person's key didn't work I have to work out why and I have to contact G2A and give them the key and the ID on that key so that they can so that G2A can look into it um, so obviously that takes some time that they would be normally spending making more games mm. yeah because indie devs indie dev developers don't have the, that manpower and resources exactly. they can't afford um, it to deal with it um, it it, it just uh, every time G2A comes up, it's just it, it, it's it's just one of those things that it, it just keeps getting better and better. Like, <laughs> um, and there was also a a small issue that uh, cropped up 
last yesterday or a couple of days ago mm. where um, a G2A was approaching publications allegedly um, offering offering an article that they wrote um, that kind of defended and and reassured and reassured the idea that this was not possible that fraudulent keys yeah. cannot be um, cannot be sold on the G2A platform and um, that that and uh, so the publications and that came with a, a certain like monetary um, <laughs> yeah they were gonna they were gonna pay people uh, to run these articles and, and not uh, credit that it was written by somebody else which not, is the interesting part <laughs> and not credit yeah so I mean it just it just didn't really it just doesn't sit well with yeah. With the whole, with with the whole narrative, uh, it just yeah. it just seemed like they were like I've, I've seen Disney movie villains with more integrity than G2A <laughs> at the moment. What do you think of that, Sarah? Definitely. Oh, I just just reading that, I just couldn't couldn't believe it. Just like you know, <laughs> okay, we want you to 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 publish this article, you know, allegedly, mind you. Like I don't know how true these these claims are, you know, but it, it does kind of like uh, put a bit of a, a more negative spin on GTA GTA as far as you know, how they might be trying to clean up the fallout of this. Now, I do believe um, there is no uh, severe, like, serious proof. I think they have denied or they are. They made, they made a statement about um, the person that was trying to um, put out those articles. I think they said they were going to fire them and they were like, this is absolutely not our company, company policy. But I do find the whole thing just screams, it's very shady. Like, whatever mm. actually has happened and what's gone down, it definitely, it doesn't bode well, I think, for G2A's overall image of them trying to keep up this whole thing of, like, well, it's not our fault that people are, you know, publishing fraudulent keys on our website or they're trying to sell them. Um, we did actually pose um, the question to our uh, community earlier today of uh, do people think that sites like G2A and uh, key resellers, do they, need, do they need to be more regulation and rules around them? And we got a couple of really interesting responses. Lucas Gintoki, um on our Discord said that um, they think that the reselling of legitimate Steam keys on, is perfectly fine, but uh, G2A is known for being a very illegitimate site with massive resales on stolen keys, and the company is, well, basically a POS. I don't know what that means. Sorry. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> well, you can tell me after the stream. Oh, oh, I just figured it out. Anyway, yeah. um, and if you want to trade your keys, your choice, but only if it's legitimate. We also had um, uh, two different people agree. Um, I think a Squint um, was talking about um, something something needs to be done about poor DRM management. Um, as we know with Steam, you know, uh, you get given a key when you buy um, games through Steam or you apply a Steam key to your account. But P Squint is suggesting that potentially um, there could be a way to uh, the, where the Steam key is never shown to you. It's automatically applied to your account. So taking out the possibility of someone just taking that key and putting it on another website for sale. And um, I believe someone else also uh, had the same sentiment. Um, yeah, Chaos Walsh on Facebook, uh, who is a, a marketing person for Damsel, uh, an Australian indie game that is very cool. They were saying that uh, we get a lot of requests from shady people who claim to be famous YouTubers or have fake review websites with the intent of reselling keys. And these, they say a lot of vulnerable indie devs would probably fall for this. But um, potentially they say that um, overhauling the Steam curator system or another method of directly applying games to an intended person's Steam account, much like what Squint was suggesting, um, would potentially help combat this. Do you think that might um, work to, to fix the overall problem if instead of people being given a key on a slip of paper when they buy a game physically or um, uh, when you buy um, off uh, through certain retailers, instead of you getting um, a, a written key of, of letters and numbers, instead it's do we have to actually attach your existing Steam account or whatever have you, and then it's automatically applied. Therefore, it kind of cuts out the possibility for groups like G2A to come in and be like, oh, we can profit off this. Do you think that would potentially fix a lot of these problems that people have with it? 
I mean, it it does take a little bit of the choice away from the consumer, and and that inherently is, I think, a little bit of a bad thing. I think that I think we we need to find another way of doing it. Like if you if you just kind of take the key, the like I I, I want to say physical key. It's not a physical key. It's a code. Yeah, and um, if you take that away from the consumer, it does severely limit what you can do with that key because you can't really give it to someone, can you? Like it. it um, and that that kind of that kind of thing, consumers tend to not like. Yeah, I think that would get complaints. Yeah, do, do you? What do you think the solution should be, Ellie? Do you think? I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Somebody was saying, um, "Oh, well, G two A. You know, a while ago they they uh, improved their authenticating of sellers, and they were like, it's all good now. It's all good. Developers can trust us.' Um, but all they did was say, "Oh, well, you have to have a phone number and social media, and you know, it was pretty easy stuff <laughs> to just get a burner phone, and yeah, you know, the- like." The it's, stuff that everyone yeah, has. Yeah. A Facebook account. Like, how hard is it to make a Facebook account? An email address was the third thing. So it wasn't particularly hard, whereas, like, eBay actually requires you to match up your bank details mm-hmm. and things like proof of your address. Um, so it's quite thorough. Um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting, the idea that... Um, it, it does, that it does seem interesting that sites like eBay, who essentially do the same thing but with mm. real goods, yeah. have a solution for this and G2A can't... Just emulate security. Like I, I think, I think like, like security is just something that should be universally yeah. understood, and it, it's just not being addressed here. I think that's the issue. It's not that G two A is trying things and it's not working. It's not that there aren't good ways to fix it or good ideas to try. Like it's been done. Like you said, eBay's done it um, to a reasonable extent. I think it's just that G two A doesn't seem to be able to admit that there is any problem, and mm-hmm. they have said, you know, they mm-hmm. wrote, they allegedly wrote this article saying it is pretty much impossible to, you know, buy a fake. Well, okay. You know, you say that, but here we have all of the developers saying the opposite, and mm-hmm. I don't think they would just lie. Like, what are they trying to get out of that? So I think if G2A was able to say, okay, we'll work with you more, um, but instead they're saying it's not our fault, you know, it must be yours. Yeah, you, and they even said, the you know, yeah, like uh, you must be giving out too many STEM keys and it must be, you know, if <laughs> they said if you don't keep watch of them and they'll fall into the wrong hands, and it was yeah. a bit like, okay, way to blame the developers for that yeah. one. <laughs> So uh, thank you for watching Pixel Sift, your indie game interview podcast, uh, live on Twitch. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about the G2A key reselling service and whether or not there should be more restrictions around what you can do with Steam keys. Now, um, I just thought we'd... Uh, I had an in- interesting uh, quote uh, from uh, V Pend- Pendergrass on Facebook. Big fan. Um, so it's difficult to enforce... Uh, so she said, difficult to enforce because of the highly international nature of it all. Um, I have very low opinion of code resellers generally. It's not beneficial for platforms, developers, or in the end, players. Ooh. Yeah. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a good take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, um, we got Matt on Discord uh, saying the uh, current system is like going to a garage sale and buying video games that were stolen <laughs> from EB Games. <laughs> <laughs> and then the publisher developer of that game is being held responsible for fines. Mm. Locking down the ability to resell keys isn't the answer, as that impacts on developers' ability to sell the games on other storefronts if they desire. What needs to happen for organizations like G2A is to get is to get held accountable for selling stolen yeah. keys. Uh, since they are not accountable right now, there is no motivation for them to prevent the system that encourages the sale yes. of fraudulent keys. Yeah. That or Steam needs to stop allowing the resale of game codes purchased through Steam that were not, were not that were not at the request of the developer. 
given how stringent the rules are about develop about what a developer can do with the keys, it is strange that Steam doesn't care much about purchased copies being resold when they don't want them to be re-gifted to anyone. Hmm. So it's kind of like a do as I say, not as I do yeah. kind of thing. I think he's yeah. hit it. Hit yeah. the nail on the head with the accountability being the issue. Mm. It's always throwing it back at the developer when they're the one that's losing money. <laughs> Matt is also a uh, developer based mm. here in Perth. Yeah. Yes, we we like him a lot. Um, <laughs> anyway, Squints just chucked something um, in the in the Twitch chat just quickly, uh-huh. which I think uh, is a callback to the idea of like you know how eBay has a lot more buyer and seller protection associated. Uh, with the platform because, you know, you have to put in your address, your credit card details yep. and such. He said that you can give keys through Steam that aren't codes, which is absolutely true, and that very much works in the Steam closed platform. But he's saying potentially if accounts had to be trusted before being able to give keys, they would have to buy a stolen trusted account before buying with a stolen credit card. Adding that extra step would make it a lot harder, which I can definitely see potentially working. I think, you know, G2A potentially implementing more of um, eBay seller style um, protection onto their site to prevent this from happening would be good. But I, I don't know if that'll really happen because it feels like they'd rather just keep getting the profit, <laughs> you know, at, at no like cost to them because it comes yeah. onto developers. But potentially that might be a, a better solution going into the future for other key resellers as well to avoid having more issues of, um, you know, fraudulent keys or stolen keys happening. Do you think that would be a potential like a better way for G2A to function? I don't think G2A is likely to change, so I think anything <laughs> anything else that we can think of would be... Uh, I think G2A yeah. is listening. I think G2A can listen to our show and figure it out. <laughs> anyway, enough about G2A. Until they change, we won't cover them anymore. Uh, we will move on to our next topic. So you're never covering them again? <laughs> no, never covering them again. Yeah, it's done. It's done unless until they do something... Until uh, next week when they yeah, do something. <laughs> until, the, until the CEO does something crazy. Anyway, um, next topic. Hey Mitch. Yep. <laughs> you know there is multiple ways that you can subscribe to Pixel Sift. Oh yeah. How's you, that? You could subscribe on your podcast player of choice if you like audio only versions, like Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts, or even Google Play if you're in the US. Or you can jump on Twitch and you can give us a follow, or on YouTube if you like the video versions. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know we were on so many things. Yep, and you'll get a handy little notification as soon as there's a new episode for you to watch or listen to. Wow, I'm going to do that right now. I'm sure you will, Mitch, because you're a good boy. So does Gianni come across really creepy in that that promo? Extremely creepy. Yeah, he's like a little weird, right? Yeah. We can uh, can talk to him about that. Yeah. uh, Maybe. Anyway, I'm sure he's listening. Um, Enough about about us. We're boring. We have Ellie Bolson in the studio right now with us, and she's here to talk about a couple of her games, but mainly Brine Scene Finvestigation, um, the adventure game. And uh, so for those of us that may not know about Brine Scene, um, what is Brine Scene Finvestigation? (laughs) I'm sorry, the name is (laughs) I'll admit, when recording the promo for this uh, this episode, I got it wrong so many times. I had to reshoot it so many times. Anyway, enough about me. Um, what's the game all about? Um, it's a point-and-click adventure game. Uh, heavily inspired by those games from the 90s, like Monkey Island, um, all of those sorts of LucasArts, Sierra, you know, King's Quest, that sort of thing. Um, I very much enjoyed those as a child. And, yeah, I was trying to get into... Um, game dev work more and making some more games like I've enjoyed like those sorts of ones that really got me as a kid Um, and I've been using a program called Adventure Game Studio which is very user-friendly yeah so that was what I used to make the game Um, it's based on uh, Aqua used to be called Underwater World Um, I think all people who grew up in Perth have that sense of nostalgia about Aqua 
uh, going to see the dolphins when we were young and then suddenly they weren't dolphins anymore. <laughs> uh, it was pretty grim, you know, reading, uh, reading about it now, about how the dolphins were poisoned. But as kids, I think we all just heard, oh, yeah, they're not there anymore. Um, <laughs> and you're not really told why. Or you don't think about, oh, somebody poisoned an animal. That's not cool. Um, but, yeah, so I just made it the idea that somebody would not uh, would have this conspiracy theory that the dolphins are not dead. They're still there. They're definitely still there, and I'm going to find them um, no matter what. <laughs> so so tell me more about Adventure Game Studio. Mm. So it's uh, you, you were speaking earlier, and you said it was quite an old, old tool set. Mm. Um, what is it about Adventure Game Studio that um, drew you to it and in, mm. in 2019? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was made in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I like the way it's modelled heavily around the LucasArts and Sierra games. Uh, so it's very uh, visually based as well. You don't need as much coding um, to do what you need to do in it. So I think it's a bit easier as a starting point for a developer compared to, say, Unity or Unreal. Um yeah, I just I found it really user friendly. Um, as a primarily an artist, I thought it would be a really good tool to try out. Um, really enjoyed making making a game, and I think I will have to go back. <laughs> so you're primarily an artist first, yes. um, game developer, um, like or I guess interactive media a bit a bit second. Uh, yeah, and, and and how and we we usually get, we get all sorts of different mm. developers on our show. Um, how does that affect your creative process when you when you think about starting a project mm. and creating a game? It's a good question because I feel like I come at it from the opposite angle to most game devs that I meet in Perth, at least. Um, yeah, I feel like everyone else that I meet says, oh, I want to make this great game, this mechanic I've got in my mind, and I know exactly how it's going to work. The visual, I don't really mind. You know, it'll look one way or another, but it will, you know, it'll move this way or it'll do this when you press this button. Whereas I have the opposite uh, experience. Every time I make a game, I have an exact picture in my mind of how it will look and feel uh, and it can't look any different. <laughs> That's exactly how it has to look. And then how I do it and what program I use to make it is up to me and whatever mechanics, you know, if this mechanic doesn't work, if you can't click a button and have this happen, that's fine, you know, as long as it looks the right way. When you mentioned that like, it can't look any different, mm. is um, there must be a point where compromise must be made. Oh, of course, um, yeah, yeah. When you reach that point, how do you, how do you deal with it? Well, I'm a perfectionist, so I tend to just spend longer working on the art till I'm very, very happy with it. But it can take a while, and um, it often gets to the point where I will work on, like I'm working on a game right now, um, I spent several weekends just doing art for it because I just can't get started until I have enough art to work with. You know, I can't use placeholders. I don't like doing that. Um, I have to have the finished product because it has to feel the right way. Um, but then I spent several weeks doing the art, and then it was like, oh, now I have to actually do the game. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ever tempted that- to maybe stop at, at that no, point? No, <laughs> no, of course not. No, yeah. no, it has to be has to be seen through. Go on, Sarah. Is that like the normal process for you um, as a primarily solo dev, I'm assuming? Yeah, 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 primarily solo. Um, yeah, I think I, I have to get into the art first to really feel a passion for it, like to really feel I'm into the project. I tend to work on really small games, which is um, what my XRWA uh, exhibit area is going to be focusing on. So uh, Brian Scene for Investigation is, um, you know, software. You can download it from my itch.io page. Um, but then I've got four other small games that I made in Bitsy, which is an HTML-based, uh, browser-based game developing tool. Um, definitely recommend Bitsy as well if somebody's not as um, programmer savvy. It's quite fun to use. I like how there are all these tools now to kind of bridge yeah. the gap between exactly. people that aren't so good at programming and then people that aren't so good at art. Yeah. Um, that's really great. It's it's almost like the the developers that are really doing something great 
it's not necessarily people who are working on their passion projects. It's people who are helping others to work on theirs. It's people who are building tools. Um, so, yeah, there's some really interesting, like um, Adam, the guy that made Bitsy, like he's always improving and always adding new stuff. And he used to just write games himself on his phone, you know, with I'm not even sure what language, probably just HTML himself. Uh, but now he's made it so that people like me can make games in Bitsy in a couple of hours. It's very easy. So uh, thank you for watching Pixel Sift. If you've just joined us uh, on one of our live platforms, we're talking to Ellie Bol- um, Bolson about her games, Brian Scene of the Investigation, Personal Space, and What Lies Beneath. Sorry, I, I'm so embarrassed <laughs> All good. every time that happened. So, um, so um, Brian Scene of Investigation is what we're talking about at the moment, but your other two games will be mm. at XRWA mm-hmm. uh, yes. this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that been like, uh, getting your titles prepared for that, for that showcase? Oh, very easy. Uh, thankfully, the people at Play Out Perth have been uh, very, um, very accommodating. I would say Sophie has been <laughs> very nice to work with. I basically just gave her my laptop <laughs> with the games <laughs> on it. Um, but yeah, the, the Bitsy games are very easy. You know, they were all uh, done. They're just HTML files. So mm. I just put a copy of them on the computer and it's done. Must say XRWA is the um, interactive VR festival running in conjunction with um uh, Revelations Film Festival this weekend in Perth, um, which which Ellie will be um, showcasing her games at. Yes, it's um, very exciting. So you're also a regular exhibitor at Pot- at the Potluck Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, what does what does that organisation mean to you, and uh, how, how does how does that affect does that affect your creativity at all? Yeah, I would say it spurs me on. Um, most of my games, including Brian Scene and Personal Space, were made for Potluck. Um, it's a really good way to uh, make a small contained game with a specific theme. So a lot of the time, especially being able to create visuals and not being as sure about the mechanics that I'll use just because I'm not as good of a programmer as others, um, the kind of the possibilities are overwhelming. There's too much of an option, the paradox of choice. Um, But then with Potluck, it's like, oh, the theme is this. So personal space, the theme of that Potluck was space. So I made that. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to make this really dramatic game. It's going to be really narrative heavy. <laughs> In the end, I made it pretty light. But, um, yeah, people have told me they enjoyed it, which is really nice. Like, I, I don't expect it to be as um, popular as it is. And then you go to a potluck and you go, oh, my God, somebody's actually playing the game I made. That's nice. <laughs> Probably should have gone into it before I asked the, that first question. Yeah. But um, what is the Potluck Collective? And, um, and can you summarize it for me? Yeah, so um, Colton, Bob and Sophie run it and it's about every two months. Um, It's a a feast for the senses. (laughs) Um, The way I always put it to friends because they hear potluck and they think food um, is everyone comes and they bring their video games and art for other people to taste. So it's a bit of a tasting plate of all of your different creative media. Um, There is not usually food. (laughs) See, as a podcast creator, I bring food. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I, I like to bring a bit of food, but it just goes, you know. (laughs) <laughs> with events like XRWA obviously mm. it's like it's a it's a major thing to have it come to to WA and to have like the opportunity to integrate games with film alongside what mm. does events like this mean to you as a Perth-based developer uh, it's an opportunity definitely um not just for people to see my work but for me to see other people's work yeah um especially with VR is so you know exciting <laughs> for someone like me who doesn't do 3D is more into the 2D space. Uh, it's really interesting, the possibilities of that. Mm. Is there anything that, that you've seen coming up at XR that you would like to check out? Mostly I just want to play Hands games again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't know, want to exactly. play Hands games? Yeah. It's like a warm hug in a game. Yeah. <laughs>
So, um, so we've just about run out of time. Um, before we go, um, where can people find your work, Ellie? Um, so I have an itch page and I have a Twitter and they are both the same. It is video Bames, which is like video games, but with these. <laughs> You're just trying to make things that are difficult for presenters to pronounce. No, video Bames is easy to say. <laughs> just imagine it's that B emoji. Yeah. That's what it was based on, basically. And you also have one of the greatest Instagram handles I think I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, Shrekstagrammer. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's a long story I won't go into. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the um, videobames.itch.io or videobames.twitter.com. Excellent. And um, all your work is there? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, everything's up on And you'll also be at XRWA this weekend? Yes, I will be there on the weekend. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Pixel Sift, and thank you very much for joining me tonight, Ellie. Thank you. And um, talking to us about Brian's investigation. <laughs> I almost did it again. And, uh, yep. As well as other games you'll be taking to XRWA this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so this episode was hosted by myself and Sarah. Uh, thank you for joining me tonight, Sarah. No, thank you for having me tonight, Mitch. Thank and, you uh, for taking my space back. Yeah. Okay, you can go now. All right. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> and uh, this Pixel Sieve is produced by Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, Fiona Bartholomeus, Mitch Lowe, and Gianni Di Giovanni, and is our executive producer. And uh, we wouldn't be able to make it to 126 episodes of Pixel Sift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. So go check them out and tell them we sent you. And if you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, head to murdoch.edu forward slash arts. Murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. There you go. Cool. This is why you didn't have your job. Yeah. This is why Sarah will be back next week. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. As always, we'll be sticking the links to the topics that we talked about on the show in the show notes of our website, pixelsiv.com, www.pixelsiv.com.au. Sarah, where can people go to get more Pixelsift? Well, you should absolutely join our Discord for starters because we would love to have you there. We post regular updates about what we're doing when the episodes are happening. Maybe if Mitch is going to play Overwatch and you can join him. Yep. Maybe. So that is pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord, where you can also share your creative work. You can talk about the current topics, games, anything else you want. Just, just come join us. Have fun on Discord. Share that your is work. Pixelsift. Yeah, share your work. <laughs> we, share your food. Share your everything. Share your life. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And as well, if you like what we do, please tell a friend because we don't pay to advertise. We rely purely on word of mouth for people to find the show. So definitely just put the podcast on your friend's phone. Put it on your mum's computer. Just put it on, on your cousin's tablet. Just, just spread, spread the good word of Pixel Sift. Like a U2 album. Yep, exactly. And our like, next... comment, and subscribe. Sorry. Okay, thank you very much. All Smash right. that like button. <laughs> all right, you all get one. All right. <laughs> next episode will be on the 25th of July, so you can join us this time next week, though, for Pixel Sift Players, where we play some Aussie indie games that we feature on our show. Uh, that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 